You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. We're in chapter 4 of Philippians. Life's power is the theme that we've titled this chapter. and We've subtitled it, The Secure Mind in Christ. The Secure Mind in Christ. It is a position of confidence that God wants us to be in. He is not the author of confusion. Somebody say amen. Amen. God is not the author of confusion. When folks are confused about their life, it's because God, amen, has not been set at liberty. When the Lord is at work in your life, Amen. Everything may not go exactly as you want it. You may still have bad days, but there's one thing, and that's that you will not be confused about who he is, about who you are, and that no matter what happens about where you're headed in Christ. And so this is where we end in chapter 4 of Philippians, the secure mind in Christ. Christ wants us to have this confidence, and Paul is going to give to us several different things. Now, last week, we began the chapter, the first three verses, talking about the power in Christ, and we subtitled those first three verses as power that unifies, that power in Christ, the power of living in Christ, when that is at work in our life, it unifies us. It unifies us not only with the purpose of Christ, but it unifies us, amen, together with the body of Christ. So we are unmovable in Christ, we are unified in Christ, and then we are unified in the promise of everlasting life. Let's move on and we'll begin tonight at verse number four. And it says this, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Here we are talking about not only power that unifies, but now power that fortifies. Power that fortifies your life in Christ. In verses 4 through 7, we see some wonderful things. The first thing we see in chapter 4, verse 4, is Paul talking about the power of Christ in him and maintaining the joy that Christ brings. He says it this way, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Amen. I preached, it was a few weeks ago now, and I can't ever remember, the, the title just escaped me. I think I titled it, I Still Have Joy, on a Sunday morning, and I preached from this context. It was this place, this city of Philippi, where Paul and Silas were arrested, where they were thrown in prison. But Paul's disposition spiritually was such that they weren't going to let anything get them down. And even in the midst of a Philippian jail, Paul and Silas, the Bible said, began to sing praises unto God. The Bible says that. You can look it up in the book of Acts. The Bible says at midnight they began to sing praises Unto God. And as they began to praise and magnify God. We know the beautiful ending of the story. The doors opened up. Amen. At the end of the story the jailer was converted. They had a move of God right there. All because Paul and Silas refused to lose their joy in Christ. We can be so secure in our walk with God. That it doesn't matter what our circumstances are, we can still maintain our joy in the Lord. That doesn't mean that the kids aren't sick. 
It doesn't mean that the, you don't still need, amen, your checkbook to balance. It doesn't mean that you still may have other things that are chasing after you. But what it means is that no matter what's going on in the material, no matter what's going on in the physical, no matter what's going on in the external, you can still be secure in the spiritual faith that you have in Christ and the joy of the Lord can be with you. It was with this that he admonishes us, rejoice in the Lord always. Sometimes we just got to say, I refuse, amen, to fear. I refuse to doubt. And I am going to choose to maintain my joy in the Lord. And this is security in Christ. Amen. You want to meet a secure Christian, I'll, fi I'll find you somebody that has joy, amen, in their walk with God. Not somebody that's despondent, somebody that's in doubt, somebody that's in fear. But if you want to meet a secure Christian, amen, there's a joy inside of their heart. Old timers, and I know this sometimes culturally, we, we, we've changed and, and, and grown estranged from things of old, and so sometimes people don't always understand it. But when we greet somebody, we greet somebody with a praise of the Lord. And that was, how many were raised that way? You're raised, you always greet somebody with a praise of the Lord. You greet somebody with a praise of the Lord. And you praise the Lord. And so, uh, uh, of course, as our world goes more secular and, and uh, there's, there's more uh, divide and, and you stand out more, sometimes, you know, it's the loudest person uh, in the church that you run into at Walmart that wants to praise the Lord with you across three aisles. <laughs> praise the Lord, Pastor! Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, Lord, I hope nobody, uh, do I know them? Do I really, you know? Nobody's going to help me preach on, on Wednesday night here. You know? Amen. But you know what? A secure Christian doesn't worry about that. Amen. Hey, praise the Lord. That's right. We praise the Lord. Why? We greet one another. That, that was an old thing because, hey, we were, we were greeting one another. But before we got to the how are you doing or how I'm doing, we, we initiated something. Praise the Lord. Doesn't matter where you're at, doesn't matter where I'm at, he's worthy of praise. He's worthy of glory. I still have my joy. Now, I'm not saying that you have to praise the Lord in the Walmart and every time you go to Schnooks and you see somebody, you ought to yell out, praise the Lord. I'm not trying to be obnoxious or embarrass somebody, but I do think that it was a shame if we lose that cultural dynamic and understanding that, hey, we praise the Lord. This is what we do. This is what Paul said. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. No matter what happens, we're going to praise the Lord. That's why when we come into church, we say, hey, praise the Lord. And we come in and we lift our hands and we lift our voice and we clap our hands and we magnify the name of the Lord. Why? Because we're secure in Christ Jesus. We know how it ends, folks. And if you know how it ends, how can you not be excited? We already won. We've already won. As long as we maintain our place in Christ, we've already won. So power that fortifies, we maintain our joy in Christ. So we go on. Let your moderation be known unto all men. He's talking here about your reputation, your reputation, your good name. Amen. Proverbs says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Let Maintain your godly reputation. Let your moderation be known among all men. Amen. You say, well, well um, I have no, you should have a reputation. Is that okay? You should have a reputation. Now let me add to that. You should have a good reputation. So don't say, well, I don't know them. Don't, don't let your life be lived in such isolation that you don't have reputation. Isn't that what he's saying? Let your moderation be known unto all men, not just to the church, not just to your family, but to all men. So you've got to be out there. That's why we're not a church that preaches isolation. Amen? We're not looking to buy the next island and all go there and seal everybody else off. Now, I wouldn't mind to own an island, don't get me wrong, but we're not looking to be isolationist. We're not building a compound. We don't have gates on the parking lot, right? Why? Because we're a welcoming church. We want to be known among men. Amen. But let your, let your moderation, let your reputation be known among all men. Let that be a good reputation. Amen. I don't think we should be obnoxious. I don't think we should be rude. But I think that people ought to know there is somebody that has faith. 
and there is somebody that believes in God, and let them know there is a Christian. Amen. Is that all right? Your neighbors ought to know. Amen. Your co-workers ought to know. Don't be obnoxious. You don't have to, you don't have to, you know, tattoo it on your forehead. That's not what I'm saying. Or, but let your reputation be known. Let people know. Amen. Let them see you. Let them see you living that Christian lifestyle. And look at what he says. The Lord is at hand. What's he saying? God's here and God sees everything. <laughs> so don't think you're fooling God. Amen. God is watching you. God is right here with us. So let our reputation, our good reputation, be known among men. So power that fortifies is maintaining a good reputation. Hallelujah. I don't just want to be known. Can I preach tonight? I, I thank God for the revival services. We ought to have more services like that. I love it when we linger in the altar. I, I loved Sunday when, I, I think it was Sunday morning, when our youth felt led of the Lord just to come on up here and worship the Lord. We ought to have that type of liberty in the Holy Ghost and worship in the Lord. We ought to foster that. Amen. But I don't want to be known, let's say, as the proverbial holy roller or aisle runner. Amen. But then to be known as something else out there. That's what he's saying. God is at hand. God sees all. So you maintain your godly reputation. Then he goes on here. This is good stuff. Well, this is practical teaching he's giving us here. Then he goes on and he says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the final thing that he's talking about in this segment of power that fortifies is not only do you maintain your joy and your reputation, but you maintain your peace in Christ. So he tells us, be careful for nothing. Another translation would say, be anxious for nothing. We preached on this last fall. Be anxious for nothing. The number one highlighted verse in Scripture, according to electronic Bibles, that's the only way that they can know that is when digital books are highlighted. They track every highlight. The number one highlighted verse in digital Bibles, according to Amazon Kindle, uh, in many different versions, and I think like seven of them, seven different versions of the Bible made the top 25 books of all time highlighted. But the number one verse was this verse right here. Be careful or be anxious for nothing. Why? That tells us a lot about humanity's anxiety, that we are an anxious people, that According to them, that was the English versions that they were talking about. So the English-speaking people of the world have a lot of anxiety. And they go to this verse and they highlight it. Be anxious for nothing, amen, but maintain your peace in Christ. How do we maintain that peace in Christ? Well, here it is. In everything by prayer. Somebody say prayer. Prayer. Say, hey, well, man, I'm nervous. Man, I'm anxious. Have you prayed about it yet? I remember when I was a young evangelist, I was traveling around and went to a little old church, and the pastor had a sign on the pulpit, and it said, have you prayed about it? Now, that seemed awful bold, but he said, anybody ever comes and talks to me about anything, I always point them to that sign. Now, I'm not saying that this is, you know, maybe the nicest way to do this to somebody, but... I thought he had a point, and he said, have you prayed about it? If you haven't prayed about it, I can't help you with it. But if you've prayed about it, and then you come, and we pray about this, then something's going to break, and God's going to give us direction, find out where the help is, where you need to go, what's going on. But don't expect to solve your issues and your problems without communication with God. Amen. I think Brother Duncan made that statement, made that point. Amen. On Friday night. By the way, what a powerful word on prayer. The hour of prayer. And you can catch that on our podcast here at CTK Podcast. The hour of prayer. And he was talking about that. You've got to pray about that. Don't expect to do away with all of your anxieties if you haven't prayed. So pray. So Paul says, but in everything 
by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So not only does he tell us to pray, he tells us how to pray. You come with supplication. Lord, I have needs. I'm coming to you. And uh, this is presenting that need, but I'm presenting this need with thanksgiving. I'm not coming because I'm greedy. I'm coming to you because I'm grateful and thankful. And I know that you love me. And I know that I can bring my needs to you in confidence and in faith. You let your requests be made known unto God. So don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So finally today, I just had to figure out, it doesn't matter what city I end up in Germany, I'm not worried about it. Somebody's going to need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I've got Google Translate on my phone, so what more do I need right there, folks? Amen. And the peace of God, here it is, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There is nothing so great as the peace of God in your life. Nothing so great as the peace of God in your life. I, I, love, the, I love the sensation, you could say. I love the emotional feeling, the rush of the Holy Ghost, the, what a lot of times we refer to in Pentecost, we'll, we'll say the anointing. I felt the anointing. What we really mean is we felt the unction of the Holy Ghost. And in the book of Acts, when, they, when the Holy Spirit came in and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that there was an unction. There was a feeling. They would feel it. In fact, he described it as a sound like a rushing mighty wind. And it came in and they're set on them cloven tongues like as a fire and, and peered into each of them. And, and they're talking about all these things and praising and magnifying God. And they prophesied. There, it was never just this moderate, mundane thing. There was something that was happening there. I love all of that. But I'm going to tell you, there's times in life where you get distant from that moment. And you get to places where you may be, feel like you're, you're a thousand miles removed from those experiences and those meetings or, or those times of prayer together in the community of the body of Christ. But God can give you a peace that passes all understanding. That is a secure mind in Christ. That is a mind that is fortified. That's power that fortifies you. Says, you know what? God is in control and I can trust in the Lord. I can rest in his hope and I can rest in his promise. This is, this is how Paul lived. He said, hey, I'm not worried about it. For me to die is gain and for me to live is Christ. And so he said, I, I have peace. I have peace that God God's got this thing in control. I'll never forget, and i got to share, and I think I've shared it before a couple of different times, but in 2009 in November, we discovered that my father had colon cancer, and of course, that's a pretty common cancer, and uh, same time, another great lady in our church contracted colon cancer and fought long, long, hard battle that eventually took her life. And so that's such a big scary word because it's so common and, and there's no rhyme or reason sometimes it seems like to who comes through it and who doesn't. It just does not make sense. And so we had gone through, he had gone through the surgery, come out fine, and as a mop-up cleanup uh, to get whatever they missed, they put him on the chemo. And when they put him on the chemo, something happened. And they prescribed a type of medication that he was allergic to. It was in his file. The oncologist missed it. The pharmacist missed it. There were several people. There were several check marks that missed it. And they prescribed the medicine to him. And we didn't know it at the time, but he had a severe allergic reaction. He was in the hospital for um, about two weeks. And this was now in March of 2010. He lost... Uh, you have about seven layers of your skin, and uh, each layer just started peeling off, and it kept peeling, and uh, he couldn't wear any clothes. It was quite humiliating, excruciating pain in his body, and he lost so much skin in that time. It is unlike anything that I had seen just looking at him, and uh, the severity of it um, 
was just, we, we didn't know what to do. And the doctors were not giving us an answer. They weren't telling us anything. And so you don't know, are they withholding or are they not telling us what's going on? And I was scheduled, I think, the next week to take a group of, at the time we were working at Indiana Bible College, to take a group of students. We had a trip lined out to the Dominican Republic, a missions trip. And I was leading that group. It was my trip. And so I had made arrangements for somebody else to be the host and not I, I, for me to hang back. And I went in and I told my dad, and I said, Dad, I've rearranged everything. I've decided I'm not going to go. And he kept saying, no, go, go. And, and, and I said, I cannot do this. I can't leave, leave you. And he told me, he said, he said, Andrew, I want you to go. And he was firm. And he said, last night, he said, I can't tell you what's going to happen. He said, but last night I had an experience with God. And he said, I was in the middle of pain, and he said, it's so much, you don't even care who's in there, you don't care what's going on, I'm just praying out loud. I don't care if the door's open, door's closed, I don't care if the nurses are coming in and out. He said, I know that they had to be coming in and out at different times, he said, but I was just praying and praying in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues right there in that hospital. And he said, I was praying, and he said, I don't know what happened, he said, but I have never felt the power of the Spirit of God so strong in all my life. And he said, right in this hospital, he's laying there in the hospital, he said, right here, he said, something just came down on me. And he said, I had such a, the peace of God came in this room so great. And he said, the peace came in so great. He said, he said, I told the Lord, I can't live like this. You've either got to take me or you've got to heal me. And he said, I have peace. And, I, and, I, and I'm thinking, Dad, does that mean God's going to heal you? <laughs> I'm hoping he gave you the answer. And he said, no, God didn't give me the answer. He said, but I don't care. I'm not worried about it because I have peace. And he said, if God takes me, he takes me. If he doesn't take me, he doesn't take me. He said, but I don't want you to stay here and worry about it. He said, because God's given me peace. There's no reason for you to worry about it. That's what I'm talking about. A peace that passes understanding. I'm not just talking about some kind of altered state of emotionalism or positive thinking. Folks, it goes beyond that. It is a supernatural peace, a confidence. Hey, that doesn't matter what's going to happen. God is in control. And God is going to do what's best. His ways are greater than our ways. And the peace of God, which passeth understanding, shall keep your hearts. Folks, you can't make it without the peace of God. You need God to keep you in those hard times, in those, in those low moments. You need the peace of God. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the peace of God. When I walk home from a revival service, it's the peace of God that goes on. Hey, everything's going to be all right. Turn to somebody and tell them, everything's going to be all right. Stop worrying about it. Come on. Don't be anxious. Go to prayer. Amen? Have you prayed about it? If you say yes... Is he not a God that hears you? And if you get, if you, now here's the thing. We used to sing that song, take your burdens to the Lord, leave them there. The problem we have is we take our burdens to the Lord and then we take them back home with us. Amen? Leave it there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. Let's go on to the next part of scripture here. And the next segment we're going to look at is the next two verses and it, we're going to look at power that purifies. This is, this is a great passage of Scripture. And in verse number 8, finally, brethren. Now, this finally means that he's getting ready to come to a cold close. He's concluding his letter here. Finally, brethren. Here it is. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think. Somebody say think. Think on these things. And then verse 9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. This is power that purifies. When, the, when your life is in Christ, and this is what we're talking about, Philippians, life in Christ. When your life is in Christ, God gives us power, and that power purifies our 
life. It purifies. How much does it purify? It purifies so much that it's not only our actions, but it purifies our thoughts, even down to our thinking. Remember, we're talking about the mind of Christ, the secure mind in Christ. Amen. You can't expect to have a secure mind in Christ when you, got a, when you have a polluted mind. But it's a pure mind, <laughs> amen, that brings that confidence and that faith and that security inside of your life. So this purity goes beyond what we say, and it goes all the way to what we think, even the thoughts of our heart. The Bible says this way, out of the abundance of thy heart, the mouth speaketh. Okay, so a lot of people are seeking to control their mouth. It's a good thing to do. It's a good thing. Control your tongue. Amen. The problem is we try to stop our tongue, but we're thinking the thoughts. And the Bible teaches us that out of the abundance of the heart, whatever's in the soul, whatever's in the spirit, whatever's in the mind, that's what's coming out. So if you don't want to say anything bad, stop thinking bad thoughts. And if you don't think it, you won't say it. Don't say, well, hey, I didn't say anything bad today. I didn't say anything mean to my spouse today, bless God. Didn't say anything hateful to the kids. Didn't say anything mean to the coworker. Yeah, but you thought about it a whole lot. <laughs> Amen. You do get, I do think you do get points. Amen. For not saying it. That's a good start. But what God is looking to do, amen, is not just clean up the outside, but clean up the inside. And he wants to get all the way down to our thoughts. Amen. You know how I can tell I've really prayed through when somebody cuts me off on the road and I say, well, God bless them. They probably have somewhere they're going. My wife looks over at me and says, man, I'm so glad that you're praying. <laughs> Come on, isn't that the truth? Amen. Sometimes we have a rage within us. When that, when that rage comes, that's human nature, folks. We're, we're real. Amen. When that happens, you can check yourself and say, okay, I've got to not only do better with my action, but if I will think different, if I will think right, amen, I won't even have to worry about spouting off on what I'm going to say. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. Not as a man doeth or as a man saith, but as a man thinketh. And so if you want to stop doing, you say, well, I keep doing this. Well, stop thinking about it. Amen? Amen? I, 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 man, I, I'm, I'm really trying. I'm really trying. Oh, oh, I got to move on here. Amen. It's just, it's funny sometimes. I'm trying. I'm trying. Stop thinking about it. Just stop thinking about it. And, and let God change the way that you think. So right thinking, we've got to get to right thinking. That's how the power that purifies, it purifies the way we think. Amen. I want God to change the way I think. I want God to change the way I think about my life. I want God to, to change the way I think about this world, about our culture, about the things of this world. I want God to change the way I think about others. Amen. About others around me. And if, God, if we will let God purify our thoughts and let the mind of Christ be in us, it's amazed. Amen. What will happen? What will transform your life? And can I tell you, the true transformation of the Holy Ghost does not come just because you dress something up that used to be ugly in life. Amen. It comes when God takes the heart of the murderer and turns it, amen, into the heart of someone who has depth of compassion. And you say, God can do that? Absolutely, God can do that. I have met, I have met murderers in my life. Amen. That when you meet them, wow, you'd think this is, a, this is a big old teddy bear. There's no way he can murder anybody. Amen. Because the transformation of God. Be ye transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. Amen. Let your mind be right. Amen. So we've got to, we've got to get our thoughts in control. So we've got to ask this question. Is, and I want you to write this down for those of you that want to take notes. Write this question down. Is my thought life okay with God? That's a question that I will pose to myself. Is my thought life okay with God? 
not my public community, not my public actions, my reputation, but is my thought life okay with God? Is the, are the things that I am thinking, is God acceptable with those things? Are those things acceptable in my mind? Man, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> while you start looking at that, I don't know anybody that's not going to say, okay, I've got, to, I got some work to do. And some of you right now are thinking, oh boy, oh boy, amen, amen. I can see it on your face. I've got some things I've got to change in my life. I've got some things in my heart. I've got to change in my heart. Can I tell you, God can change the way you think. God can change the way you think if we'll yield our life to the Lord. Thank God for His mercy and thank God for His grace. Amen. So we have to ask this, what thoughts are we entertaining? You say, well, I don't want to do it, but we're entertaining bad thoughts. We're entertaining those things. If all you're doing is meditating upon those angers and those bitternesses and those things, you're entertaining those things. How do you expect not to act on those things? Okay? And then not only do we ask what thoughts are we entertaining, we've got to ask this, what are we allowing to entertain us? Maybe this is another thing. This is a, this is a big piece of the pie. What are we allowing to entertain us? You know that your thoughts, somebody said this, three things that will change your life. The people that you meet, the books that you read, or the places that you go, and the books that you read. Those three things will change your life. For better or for worse, they'll change your life. And, and hopefully for better. Those things are true. Those are external influences that will influence your thought process. This is what Paul was talking about, I believe, in chapter number 8. And so we have this little handout here. And everybody, did everybody get a handout here? Did I, do we have enough for everyone here? All right. So we've got this little handout, and we had one last year, but thank you, Sister Caitlin redid this. Beautiful graphic for us. Why media matters. So media does matter. And uh, media is just any kind of communication thing. Media could be visual. It could be audio. Uh, it could be whatever. And it's a way by which other people of the world, amen, whether it's friends, family, people that we know, people that we don't know, amen, communicate with us. It is amazing to me how much voice we give to people that we've never met in our life and allow them speak into our heart and speak into our mind. All the way from the news, amen, to authors of books, amen, to producers of movies, to actors, to celebrities, to whoever you want to say, we allow them thought processes and those ideologies. Everything has a philosophy. Everything has an agenda. Everything has purpose, a purpose or an intent or a meaning. And we allow those to speak into our life. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but we are a media-saturated world like never, ever before. Just a few years ago in the, in the history of humanity, it was just a few years ago, really, in perspective, that in order to communicate with anyone, it had to be face-to-face. And they had to be, in you, geographically, there was that thing, so you weren't bombarded by things from around the world, so things moved a lot slower. It didn't mean that people were slower, people were brilliant, amen, by all of those things. But they weren't bombarded by so much stuff. We now have more information than ever coming in, and yet we are... Uh, we're more intellectual in some ways than ever, and yet we are more at a loss in many ways. The dumbing down of culture and of youth and of people, it's, it's an epidemic, amen, that secularists are really concerned about in a lot of ways. And so media matters. So on the back of here, some great questions, some things for you to ask yourself. Sort of like what that question did with, is my life, my thought life pleasing with the Lord? And everything you see up there is written on here, and we reworded some of these things here. So this is a good thing for you just to have. Set it, set it down, set it down on your kitchen table before you turn the news on, before you listen to anything else, and listen to some of this stuff. And put, the, put it through this filter. This is a little tool we'll visit later on. But let's look really quick at what Paul says, because this is the word of the Lord. Paul says this in verse 8, Finally, brethren, and he's going to tell us to think on these things. So what's he telling us to think on? Here's what he's saying to think on. And so by intent, he's telling us to think on this, meaning don't think on the opposite of that. So what do we think on? Well, we think on things that are true. Okay? So that means don't think on things that are not true. 
This is really, this is really big time teaching here tonight, folks. This is really technical teaching. Think on things that are true. Don't think on things that are not true. Sometimes people, they'll go watch a movie and they come out of the movie and they're, they're so mad. It wasn't even a true story. Somebody reads a book and they're so mad about that. I'm like, there's not even a real story. Now, for you that love fiction, God bless you. There's nothing wrong with that. I used to read fiction when I was a child, too. But I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I've actually been blessed and impressed by many good fiction stories that had a purpose. Amen. And a powerful message to them. But I, I love to read true stories. I love to read real things because it really happened. And it's like, wow, there's, there's a practical lesson right there. There's something right there. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that this is against, this is against, uh, well, can I, can I just let the word stand for itself? I'm not saying you can't read a fiction story, okay? But if you are still fighting the Star Wars battle, okay, and, and, and you, is that all right? I mean, that, that's, that we all have fun and all that stuff. Every year Gen Con used to come to Indianapolis, and man, people, you'd see more uh, Luke Skywalkers than I've ever seen in my life, more uh, stormtroopers walking around the city. They were everywhere. You'd go downtown, and it's like you had to wait for a mass of stormtroopers across the road before you got, and then you had a group of Chewbacca's that walked right by there or whatever there, and all these different people there. Amen. That's fine. That's a little story. But don't get so caught up. This is what Paul is saying. Whatsoever things are true. If you want to invest your life in something, invest your life in something true. Well, I've got to move on tonight. Whatsoever things are honest, that means not misleading. Now, I'm going to say, if we just put the Philippians 4.8 test, forget about any kind of conviction or standard or whatever you want to call it. Just put the Philippians 4.8 test to everything that you're listening to and everything that you're watching. And I will tell you, you'll be surprised because there'll be a whole lot, I would say a majority, amen, a bulk of Hollywood, of entertainment, of whatever you want to take, that you're just going to have to mark out. Is that all right? So we have a choice. We can either take the Bible as it is, or we can take Philippians 4.8 out of our Bible, which is what way too many people, I think, are doing. Whatsoever things are honest. That means things that aren't misleading. Folks, we are being misled by our culture. We are being grossly misled by our culture. And just one avenue and one area that we're being misled by our culture is in the sexual revolution. We are being misled. We're being misled at the box office. We're being misled at the polling booth. We're being misled on Capitol Hill. We are being misled all over this place. Why? Because there's too much money to be made and involved. And God said that for the love of money, he said that's going to be the root of all that evil. So be careful that you are not misled. Can I tell you, apostolics should not be misled, amen, by the stuff and the junk of this world. So focus upon the Lord, amen. I feel the Holy Ghost. Whatsoever things are just, let things that are just be the things that you think on. Don't think on things that are unjust. Don't think on things that are not just. Amen. Don't get pride. Amen. Don't, don't be entertained on, on uh, men that run around that, that are doing all kinds of evil and you make them some kind of a cult icon hero. And, 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 and is, isn't that what we're doing? We are propping up. In our, let's just say for a moment, just the music industry. Now, not, not all entertainment's bad. Not all music is bad. Amen. I, I love all that stuff. Amen. But just in the music industry, we are being misled. You should know, parents, what your children are listening to. When Kyle and Dylan went into Columbine in, was it 98 or 96? 99. Thank you. 99 in Columbine, and they shot up all the students in the school. They were acting out the lyrics to a rock band from Germany. They were acting out the lyrics. Literally, the lyrics said, 
We went into the schoolyard. Such and such a day. We shot all the kids down. And what were they listening to? They were listening to the group. They were listening to Ramstein. They were listening to that rock and roll. And there it is. And they were acting it all out. So we, so we put all this stuff. We put it in our hip hop. We put it in our rock and roll. And our kids listen to it. And then they go and they act it out and they make news. And we got politicians saying, well, I don't know where the violence, I don't know where all this stuff is coming. I don't know how all this stuff is. Hello, it is sin, amen, that is misleading culture. And so if you're setting that self in front of you, how can you not expect, amen, to, for that stuff to mislead you? I remember when I was, did a series in one of my classes with some college students and kids that used to be out in the world that had given their life to God. I remember, I'll never forget one of, the, one of the sessions where apostolic young people had been listening to that stuff. It was foreign language. They didn't even know what they were listening to. And, and it began, lights began coming on because they understood the spirits and the things that they were dealing with in their life and the things that had wrecked their heart. And they broke down and I began to sob and weep as they were telling me the things that they used to allow can I tell you, this is what Paul is saying. You're going to save yourself a whole bunch of problems if you will just listen to those things that are just. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things, that means the things that are not, or the things that are unpure, don't, don't think on those. Whatsoever things are lovely, that means lovable, not unfriendly. Amen. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, whatsoever things are of a good report, Amen. That means a well-spoken, reputable. Think on those things. So our, our, our thought life has to follow, amen, the things of God. And when we do that, folks, here's the thing. Now, there's a lot of danger, but can I tell you, when you get Philippians 4, 8 in your life, there is a confidence that fortifies, amen, your spirit. I'm not cluttered by those things anymore. I can come into the house of God on a Wednesday night. I can lift up my voice. I can come right in and I can begin to worship because I don't have layers of all of that junk piled up in my mind that I have to dig through to access the Holy Ghost inside of my life. That's the power of being a Christian in your life, amen. And then in verse 9, those things, and I've, I'm, I'm coming to a close. I'm watching the time. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. What does he say? Do. Do. So he talks to us about right thinking. And now he's talking to us about right living. About right doing. How we act. And the God of peace shall be with you. Amen. So right living. Then we go to verses 10 through 12, and we're going to look at power that satisfies. He said, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, he says, for I have learned that in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Now, this can seem like a paradox or a confusing passage, but this is really a beautiful, beautiful text that gives us great insight into what contentment in Christ is really all about. So we're looking at power that satisfies. And the first thing that we see in verse 12 is the satisfaction of the body of Christ. So this power that satisfies, there's a satisfaction that comes, there's a blessing that comes, amen, in a life in Christ. And the first one in verse 12, he tells them, he said, I'm thankful that you, he said, have been able to care for me again. This was your desire. We were endeared one to another. I traveled around. He's saying, on these mission trips, you heard of my uh, my, my, uh, my issues in Rome here, I'm imprisoned, and you sought to raise money and to send help, but you weren't able. He said, but then finally someone came along, you were able to raise money and sin and be a blessing, and you have sustained and you have blessed me. And so Paul is letting us know that there is a satisfaction, there is a blessing that comes from the body of Christ. Now can I say this? Not, no church is perfect. And you'll have problems, amen, in every church. But can I tell you, those should be, amen, less than the satisfaction that comes from the body of Christ. 
Because the true body of Christ that's living in God, amen, even though it may not be perfect, is one that's going to love one another, going to pray for one another, going to support one another, going to lift one another up. And there is a residual, amen, blessing that is felt among the body of Christ. And so we ought to be blessed to be in the church and be a blessing to the church at the same time. I thank God for you. I thank God not only for the global body of Christ, but I thank God for the local body of Christ. I thank God, in my scenario, for Christ the King Apostolic Church. Amen. Why? Not because everybody's perfect, but because there's more that are loving, more that are supporting, more that are amening, more that are, that are saying, hey, uh, uh, we're going to be a blessing to one another than not. We ought to thank God for that. We ought to thank God. Amen. Because it is a blessing to be a part of the body of Christ. Amen. So, I may, will you be offended? Oh, I'm sure you'll be offended. I'm sure things will happen. I'm sure there'll be little things and all of that stuff. But there ought to be something that says, hey, I, I, I'm glad to be a part of a good church. I'm satisfied. Amen. In the body of Christ. Folks, where else can you go? Amen. For people to come around and uphold you and love you and pray for you when you're sick and bless you when you're down and other things. Amen. We thank God for that. That's the body of Christ. And then in verse 10, he said, amen. Not that I, I needed, he said, he said, you didn't have the opportunity. He said, not that I speak in respect of one. He said, for I have learned. If you're going to highlight a verse or highlight a word in this verse, I would highlight the word learned. I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Be content. Be content. You know why he could be content? Because he had the peace of God in his life. Because <laughs> he'd already prayed about it. God had given him peace, and he's learned. Hey, if I'll just pray about it and trust God, I don't have to worry about anything. So I'm content. I'm content. I'm content where God has put me. Grow where I'm planted. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to bless the Lord in all of those things. He said, I learned that, though, which means that there was a point where he didn't know that. But he had to learn that. So if somebody next to you hasn't learned it fully, be patient with them. If you haven't learned it fully, be patient with yourself, because you will. And then he gives us one of the most beautiful, amen, descriptions, if you will, or definitions of contentment, and that is this. He says, I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. He says, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. He says this. He says in his contentment, I am humbled, yet I'm confident. I'm abased, but yet I abound. Can I tell you, that's how we ought to be in the Lord. I walk in humility, but I walk in confidence <laughs> that God's leading us forward. And then he goes on and he lets us know that I am full. I'm full with the blessings of the Lord. But that doesn't mean it's enough. I'm still desiring more. So we just had revival. We don't say, well, I'm full. I'm, man, wasn't that great? Wasn't that good? Wasn't that, wasn't that awesome? Well, I'm so glad we, I'm so glad we had revival. That was, just, that was just the greatest little time together we've all had. No, we say thank God for that. And we come back on Wednesday night and say, God, do it one more time. And we show up on Saturday and Sunday and, and the next week and we say, God, do it one more time. And we're always praying, God, hey, I've had it before. I, I, I don't want to live in less than what I know that you are able of and what you can do for me. That is contentment in Christ. Being content in Christ. Be content where you're at. Amen. And then he goes on. And now we see power. Amen. Not only that satisfies, but we see power that supplies. Stand together with me. And we'll close with this. Power that supplies. He said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, amen, power that supplies. God, amen, and me, we're going to make a majority. And I can do anything through Christ, amen, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That's what the preacher was preaching the other night. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm living my life in Christ, and in Christ I can do all things. I can make it. I, I, I can beat the temptation. I can beat the despair. I can overcome in Christ. He has strengthened 
me. Amen. You will go through things that you'll think, man, I don't know how I made it through that. And you'll look back and you'll say, hey, it was not me, but it was Christ in me. Come on, is that your testimony? It was Christ that brought me through that. Power that supplies. Amen. He goes on here. He goes on. Not only is nothing impossible with Christ, but he goes on. Notwithstanding ye have done well that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. He's talking about that. How they blessed. Amen. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. He's talking about the blessing, amen, of the Lord in their life. But look in verse 18, he says here. He says, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Aphrodite. He said, the things which you sent to me, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Look at what he says. I have all. Now, can I remind you, Paul is sitting in a Roman jail bound between two prisoners or two guards, rather. And Paul says, I have all. <laughs> he said, I got everything I need. Can I tell you, you can be right where you're at in your situation and living a life overcoming in Christ. And you can say, hey, I've got everything. I'm possessing everything that God has for me. Stop worrying about your bank account. Stop worrying about your car. Stop worrying about your house. Do you have everything that God has for you? Well, I'm full of joy. I'm full of peace. I'm full of the blessings of the Lord. That's what Paul was saying. Power that supplies. Verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When you understand that your faith is not in your ability, but it's in God's faithfulness and his limitless supply. Come on, you can rest assured that everything's going to be all right. God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. I can't even begin to exhaust this. But you can't exhaust the riches of God in your life. And he goes on in verse 20. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. I think that's a good way for us to end this series right now. Why don't we just take a moment to give God glory.